Thank you, everybody, for joining us with the Perspective Through Pain podcast. I have Steve Russell with me, very special guest. Thank you for being here, Steve. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Today, let's talk about real masculinity. This is something that we need to talk about in our society right now. Uh, There's a lot of unrest, and there's fears with COVID-19, but whenever we talk about how we connect to sports, because that's part of what this podcast is about, is we want to bring inspiration out of how we connected with sports to begin with. So I remember this card shop that we used to go to. It's called the Reddins Card Shop. That was their last name. And we used to huddle in there, just a few of us, and the room was only literally probably nine feet by nine feet. And it was just a few of us kids in there and and the owner. And, man, the owner had some kids that, that hung out with us. And we just, you know, shared stories about sports. We shared stories about the people on the cards that you know we're we're hitting home runs that we're stealing bases and it was that sense of community that we could talk about that that really stuck out to me that uh you know that's how we connected in a a built community we need more of that now we need more uh more of that kind of community in in our lives right now um in the masculinity part you know looking up to the to the owner of that how he you know he was there for us and you know my football coach was too he saved my life my high school football coach Scott Tonzer and Steve you had somebody in your life too a baseball coach can you tell me about him yeah coach Hawkins I was a water boy for the team I wasn't very good at sports couldn't play him but so that was my you know thing in the sports there doing that and uh, yeah he's a big big Christian guy and we did fellowship of Christian athletes meetings like we had Ken Daly there once and Andy Van Slyke and really really brought you you know you know sports is is life you know it brings teamwork and but yeah he's a real cool guy and he's won two state baseball championships and I still see him at my work say hi to him all the time yeah man I tell you what that is just what coach Tonzer did for me man he he built camaraderie he built teamwork unity I tell you what, man, I was, uh, I remember I was uh, probably a junior in high school, and uh, we were out there, and we were getting ready to go to a seven-on-seven tournament in a different city. My friends were riding with each other, and they were probably going to smoke a few cigarettes on the way there, and I was like, one day I was like, you know, we're leaving from the high school parking lot, I was like, you know, hey, coach, you care if I ride with you? He's like, sure, hop on in. So it was just him and me, and we rode there, and we made that a tradition. Every time we went to seven-on-seven tournaments, which was like a few times a year, we, uh, I just, you know, I rode with him the 30 minutes or whatever it was to that town, and we just talked about just whatever. Uh, most of the time, we just didn't say anything. We were just kind of chilling with each other, but I knew that he had my back if I needed to talk to him about something, and that meant the world to me. If you can just be available for somebody to talk to them and listen to them, that, that, is, so, that is so key. Is there any moments with with your that baseball coach that you felt were especially important? Well, so just basically life values, you know, you you know you respect you know teammates, you you respect the other team. Hey, you know that was a nice play. You know, congrats. Yeah, it's like I said, it's it, it's all about teamwork and life. You know, sports teaches you a lot. 
Sports is something that teaches you respect for one another. It yep. teaches you uh, to be a part of a community. And I tell you what, man, uh, we need a lot of that right now. It's depressing to see all the riots on television, to see the unrest. Uh, in baseball or football, you have a group of guys that can come together and civilly talk about something. And that's what we need more of. You know, respect for authority is what is what my, my coach taught me. You know, if, if you got caught, you know, cussing out one of the coaches, I mean, you'd probably sit for the – you'd probably get kicked off the team. It was that – he had that level of, of uh, respect for authority that he trans transpired to us. Yeah, it's like you had to have grades too. If you got a D or something, yeah, you know, you're suspended until you get them grades up. Yeah, gosh. Man, whenever, uh, yeah, my sophomore year, I remember I got suspended for, well, I had to sit off the team because of my grades. So that, it was one of those times whenever you got so far down because football was a way of life. Just like you said, sports are life. So I got so far down that I was taking drugs, taking some hard drugs. It was a very dark time, you know, Uh, and I was like, how am I going to get out of this? And, you know, it's like that glimmer of hope that my coach, he invited me to come to one of the games late in the year, one of the playoff games. And that glimmer of hope, it gave me a sense of that, you know, you can, you can still be a part of this. There's still, there's still a community. And man, it's, it's so big on that. So, Hey, man, let's talk about Chadwick Bozeman for a moment. Um, he passed away, and he, he went four years without telling anybody he had cancer until, for the most part, people just found out after he passed away. He just passed away within probably the last couple of weeks, and, and people are just – he made such an impact on people because that, that was such a selfless act uh, – do you, have any, do you have any thoughts on that, Steve? Uh, I heard, like like everything else in life, it, it's a team. He was at, I forgot what college it was, but Denzel Washington helped him. And then that, uh, the vice presidential Democratic nominee, Camila Harris, I think her name is. Yeah, she she helped him and, yeah, you know, life, yeah. But the, he was a real good, cool guy, I heard. And yeah, like you said, he, he just kept everything private, but he, he took care of people. He made lectures, and he really helped everybody. Sadly, he passed away. Yeah, he did the movie 42, and as we know, the Black Panther. Yeah, man. Jackie Robinson portrayal, and that, that's one of the big roles he played to help him really establish himself as, as an A-list actor. He said he learned a lot from that movie, too, you know, like per person and stuff like that, you know, what Jackie Robinson was, and he played it well. Yeah. Mm. So we're talking about selflessness, and that's part of the real masculinity we're talking about. So I also wanted to go into Tanner Hawk. So, Steve, can you tell me a little about Tanner Hawk, who plays for the Boston Red Sox, and what he's doing to help out children? Yeah, he was a 2017 first-round pick of the Boston Red Sox, he went to local, actually we're in Edwardsville here, and he went to Collinsville High School, and 
He's donating $100 for like every strikeout. And he's got a sister they adopted. And he, he wants to help out everybody. Really cool story. Yeah. Man. To think that, yeah, he, he donates to St. Bosco Children's Hospital, Children's Center in Belleville. And man, he, he uh, for every strikeout, like you said, and he was donating $25 whenever before he got to the Red Sox or to that level. I believe he was in the minors yeah. at that point. But, man, what what does that say about about selflessness? Uh, well, let's give a little backstory too, before you answer that. So his younger sister was adopted. I don't know if you said that, but uh, his younger yeah. sister was adopted. And so through all that, he saw that how big of an impact she made on him. So... So what do you think about that, Steve? What, how selfless is that? What kind of masculinity is that? Yeah, kind of like we said, sports, it, it, it's life lessons too. You know, you, you, know, you, know, you want to give somebody a break. Hey, you might give this person $1,000, you know, from this, these strikeouts, and, you know, that might help, help somebody get, you know, medical supplies or something at a hospital, you know. So that, it, it, help, it helps out everybody, community, and helps, you know, as a person. Tell you what, man. That's one way to give back if you're rich. But you can do something too. Every listener out there, you can personally give back. You can be that Coach Tonzo to somebody. You can be that Coach Joel Hawkins to somebody. You can lift somebody up, give them some of your time, give them your ear. Tell you what, that's, that's one way somebody's doing. But, man, you can write a card to somebody, give a thank you note to somebody, write a letter to somebody you can say an encouraging word that's specific to be specific about you know <clears throat> instead of just saying thank you for bringing our food today say man that food got out here in five minutes how did you guys do that so fast something that they're it's going to stick with them for for not just today but for weeks any other types of ways that you can encourage people steve well, it's kind of like me. I have type 2 diabetes now, and I've lost some weight. And made my sister, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're doing really good at this. It's like, yeah, you know. And then I can, I can strive for somebody else and say, hey, you know, I can do this. You, you can do this too, you know, with your willpower. Mm. That's so good. Yeah, man, I was telling Steve right whenever he walked up today, we're out at a park here in Edwardsville, and that he's dropped, gosh, since uh, probably within the last year he's dropped – 40 pounds? What would you say, Steve? How many? How much weight have you lost? Yeah, about 30. 30 pounds? 30, 40. So, I mean, in his, his job, it takes a lot of walking. And so he is working like that. And, man, it's just, it's just amazing what he's doing. Can we talk a little about uh, Lou Brock? So he passed away. And he – do you have statistics on that, on Lou Brock? But he – was one of the biggest base stealers in history. At one time, he had the record for most stolen bases until I believe Ricky Henderson broke it. Yeah, he's still got the single single season NL record for 118 and 74. Ricky Henderson's got 130 in 1982. Yeah. So Lou Brock, um, he there was a lot of uh, attention about that. We're in the St. Louis area here, and uh, you know, just like one of my one of my mentors actually, he was a huge Lou Brock fan. It's his, his favorite player. And uh, I actually just talked with him about a week and a half ago. 
And so, I mean, he, he made a big impact in this area. Yeah, a real kind guy, and uh, I didn't know what they said. He'd, he'd always talk to anybody, and he was he's basically a mentor. He's not doing as well, but uh, Harrison Bader, they said he really taught him. There was a spring training game, and Harrison Bader, like, I think he might even have tied the record, the spring training record of stolen bases, tied by him. And, uh, you know, he, Lou Brock went up to him and talked to him, and, hey, this is, you know, I'm here to try to make you better. Mm, that's right. You know, talking about baseball and lifting people up, just like we were talking about 42 with Jackie Robinson, how Chadwick Bozeman played him. Of course, Jackie Robinson was the first black player in Major League Baseball. Pee Wee Reese on the infield, you remember that, Steve? Yeah. What happened? Yeah, he came over to Jackie Robinson. Of course, there was a sharp racial divide back then, but they played for the Brooklyn Dodgers in uh, the 1940s, I believe. And Pee Wee Reese played infield, and he came over to Jackie Robinson, who was his teammate, and he came over there in the infield, and uh, he kind of talked with him, chatted with him, uh, patted him on the back, gave him gave him a uh, just a little talk and encouragement talk whenever some of the players still didn't really know what to think about having a black player on their team. It's little acts like that that don't take long, but that make somebody's day. And now we're talking about that 70 years later, I guess that is. So it's just those that act took a couple minutes. It wasn't a popular act. So many people probably criticized Pee Wee Reese about that because there was, like we said, a lot of racial divide. But what can you do, especially today in the era of racial talks, you know, racial, uh, a lot of racial feelings going on. What can you do right now to bridge the gap? What can you do to reach out to somebody who may not look like you? They may not have the same religion as you. <laughs> I mean, there's all types that we're called the melting pot for a reason. We're all, we don't necessarily have to take on others' beliefs, but we can come together and understand each other's differences and what and how that makes us richer as a country. So what do you got there, Steve? <laughs> yeah, not too much. That's kind of like that's kind of interesting. Just looking at Vince Coleman, you know, it's like you know, Steve still is the NL Steel's leader, and he actually played football. His brother, because his brother, he played I think twelve years, and then if I was a punter. And he went to baseball, and 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 uh, so when when he was with the Cardinals in '85, he still got the the stolen base record for one season of, uh, or excuse me, 110. He got the second most, I think, behind Brock, I think. But uh, that's another thing, like in sports, like that stolen bases, that's kind of disappeared now. I was looking at the career stolen base uh, totals and. And Coleman had 752, which is like six on the list. And the nearest active players only got 400 because of Rashi Davis. And then the one last year, his name was Malik Smith. He had 46 steals last year, and he just got demoted. Hmm, yeah. Hmm. So from what I'm hearing you say, steal, steals isn't as big of a part of the game. Yeah, it's kind of like that change like everything else. They want home runs and strikeouts now. It seems like everybody's home run or strikeouts now. Yeah. But that's what they kind of want now, so. Yeah. 
It's like I, everything that's changed. <laughs> you know, I, I heard a story about Lou Brock, and in this past week, you know, we've heard a lot of stories about him in this area. But one of them was that whenever he went up to home plate, he would tell the catcher <laughs> every time he went up there, you know I'm going to steal on you, right? <laughs> he said, you know I'm going to take this base on you when I get on, right? And so that would just get in the catcher's crawl. And, man, but it was that boldness, it was that confidence that he carried with him, that swagger that made him an elite player. Any other inspirational stories you got on your notes there, Steve? No, really. We just kind of talk about childhood memories, and I knew some friends, and they were religious people, and they played sports, and they had, like, I don't know, like four or five brothers, I think, and uh, we always played. We always played together. You know, we stayed, sometimes we stayed the night at their house. We played football, you know, playground football, and played some wiffle ball, and yes. Some society doesn't do it anymore. It seems like it's all, people are always on their phones and it's all they want to do is talk on the phone. And kind of miss some days. Steve, I remember whenever being outside, being in the, in the fresh air. Right now we're in one of the most beautiful parks in Southern Illinois. And man, I remember being out in an environment like this almost every day as a boy. Yeah. Where did those days go? I see so many children now. Shit, even football. We played playground football. And my mom was like, yeah, it's cold out there. I was like, yeah, just bundle up. It's, it's nothing. Exactly. There, there was no weather to keep you back, really. If it was pouring, if, even, it was even better because then you could slide in the mud. Yeah. It was, and you come in and, but First now. moms didn't like that. <laughs> cleaning cleaning the laundry <laughs> but now it's it's depressing in a way because children they stay inside they play video games and they get skilled at these things staring at a screen it's like a virtual reality it's like another kind of reality that's not actually reality because they're they're exercising what some could call a skill but it's not it doesn't translate into real work yeah, communication. They want to know what, what this celebrity did and this celebrity is like, like just, just go outside and enjoy the weather. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we used to play, I remember whenever we were talking about community, me and then two of my friends, I remember specifically in Staunton, Illinois, a little farm town, but we'd be in my friend's backyard and we'd play, play uh, passer and receiver. And one of us would be the quarterback the other person would be the receiver the other person would be the defender and so we would just play that over and we keep points we'd go up to like five or whatever and then we'd switch roles usually what my one friend jason was the was the quarterback but the other one of us uh my friend my friend uh tim and me we would switch up back and forth as to who is the receiver and who is the who is the defender but man we would play that for hours. It was crazy. Just his little yard that was like maybe 30 yards deep. And, man, we would just go at it and uh, wrestle, man. And it was respectful. But, I mean, you just learn so many things by being out, getting your feet dirty, getting your, getting your hands dirty, uh, playing with other kids out on the lawn. There's just nothing like that. And I just I miss seeing that. I miss kids seeing kids out there. Some of them in our town, though, I mean, they're on bikes. They're on yeah. – uh, they go – there's a lot more bikes, actually, now that COVID's hit. Yeah. Because, what's, they're selling out, yeah. <laughs> Walmart what, – what does it look like, Steve, at the Walmart you work yeah, they're, at? They're getting a little better now on bikes. I guess yeah. maybe people are 
got got their bikes now, shall we say? But yeah, talking about the sports, yeah, we we played this. But when I told you, it's got a bunch of brothers, and uh, yeah, we played in the wiffle ball in the guy's barn. Yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. You can just get out and enjoy enjoy the outdoors. Uh, we're just talking about real masculinity. We're talking about accountability too. Let's talk a little about accountability. So. Dwayne Johnson is a story I like to think about his ascent, his his uh, <laughs> his climb up through the ranks. And man, Steve, you know this better than me because you're a, a wrestling guru. But Dwayne Johnson, also known as The Rock, whenever he was playing for the University of Miami football, he um, had Warren Sapp <laughs> ahead of him on the depth chart. Is that right? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. So, yeah, Warren Sapp, future Hall of Fame defensive uh, lineman for uh, – he ended up playing a career for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, yeah, in college, he was right there on the depth chart with Dwayne Johnson. Man, I tell you what, um, I believe Warren Sapp started over him. But after college, Dwayne Johnson, he couldn't get much traction in the NFL, so he played for the CFL for, for a time. And then uh, he, he couldn't play there anymore either. Uh, so he went back home uh, to the southern United States. He was with his parents for a time. And he I remember he didn't have, it was like less than $100 in his pocket. And he told his dad, who, who used to be a professional wrestler, he told his dad, he said, I want to I go into professional wrestling. So, you know, he, he put his whole heart and soul into it. His dad didn't wasn't really behind him with it because it was such a hard road then Dwayne Johnson he applied himself he ended up becoming one of the one of the best professional wrestlers of that late 90s early 2000s era and I tell you what man he now what he does of course he's a world famous action actor but we're talking about accountability part of real masculinity right so the real accountability part of that is every day when he wakes up he told an audience when he wakes up he goes and he puts his back against a wall what happens is by doing that uh, he knows he knows that he has people who he employs now that he has people who are looking to him not only for inspiration but for money <laughs> for their employment because he has he has a business. So he puts his back against that wall, and that gives him the picture in his mind, I can only go forward. My back's against the wall. I'm only going to go forward. Do you have any thoughts on Dwayne Johnson or that story, yeah, Steve? Yeah, he's got, you know, he's like everything else in life. He, he's, he's had his share of failures. I remember when he first came up, people hate him. He's this Rocky Maivia kid. The, the wrestling fans were chanting, die, Rocky, die. And Rocky sucks. <laughs> you know, so, and then, uh, yeah, but, you know, like I said, he, he learned from that, and, you know, like, he's now going to redo the XFL, and his ex-wife is running it. Uh, so the, the vice president or whatever, but she's, like, first or second in charge, so, you know, I, so, like I said, in life, yeah, you have your struggles, but, yeah, you you just fight through it and get better.
Thank you for joining Steve Russell and me with the Perspective Through Pain podcast. I'm believing this message encouraged, trained, and inspired you. Please subscribe so you don't miss any of the new content and share on social media. Have a great day. Thank you.